Well, on this President's Day weekend, I thought about this word that I'm going to be teaching on today and preaching on today, and I thought about the importance of what it means to do what's right or what's just is another way this word is translated, because the word is talking to us about how to make things right. There's a wrong way to do things and a to do things. There's some of us here that have heard the expression, if you don't get, no, <laughs> but that's a good start. If you don't get right, you get left. You heard that saying before? So there's all kinds of way to use the word right. There's all kinds of way to use the word just. And the word that Paul is using here describes those things which make the world right, which bring justice to a situation. And so let's read this entire verse again, and let's think about this list and the order that it's in and why the order is important and why these words are important to instill in our minds as we learn how to think. You can, with God's help, reprogram your mind to think correctly. And I believe that the only way someone is going to change is if they change how they think. It's not enough to just be obedient to God. It's not enough to just do the things he tells you to do. When you learn how to meditate and think and dwell on the right things, it changes everything about you. How many of you have Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 memorized yet? One of you, two of you, three of you. I won't ask you to stand and quote it, but I want to see you after service and hear you say it. <laughs> Finally, brethren, and I'll throw in sisters as well, because he's talking about everybody. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And if you have another version memorized, that's okay. That's, I'm not going to hold that against you. But I want you to think about the words that are said there, and I want you to think about the word right with me for just a moment, that word that encapsulates what it means to make things just and right. Here we are on this President's Day weekend celebrating presidents who did things the right way. It used to be that we'd have Washington's day and then we'd have Lincoln's day and then somewhere along the way they got combined into president's day. But if I think about our first president and I think about our 16th president, I think those two men are fine examples of people who tried their best to do things the right way to bring justice out of injustice, to bring freedom out of oppression, to break off the chains that bound men and women of color in this country as Abraham Lincoln did, to think about the things that are right, the things that are just. We have with us today a veteran of our armed forces who 72 years ago today stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima. 
Don't ask him how old he is. It's none of your business. Frank's sitting right here on the front row, and with his permission, I share that story with you. It wasn't right what happened when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And as a country, we faced a decision about who we were going to be and what we were going to do. And the very finest of our young men and women gave their lives to protect the freedom that you celebrate right here this morning on this President's Day weekend. And to think about all the things that have happened over the last 72 years. And we come here today to our own country and our own culture in 2017 and ask ourselves, how much progress have we made? <laughs> And how much progress can we continue to make towards a nation that truly is one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all? What does that look like to you? And how does the spiritual part of who you are connect with the world around you to make things right? For me personally, I can't stand it when I see something going on that isn't right or isn't just. I want to step in and make it right, right then. I don't like it when things are happening around me that aren't right. I don't like it when I get accused of doing something that's not right. Have you ever been accused of doing something that's not right? I remember one time I was driving down the 163 and I was towing a trailer and I was getting ready to go into a Balboa Park area where the 163 goes to two lanes. So because of the traffic and everything else, I had pulled my boat and my trailer and my car over into the second lane over to get ready to go on the 163 south, and there was three lanes on the other side of me, but they were all going on to the 8 east. And a highway patrolman pulled me over <laughs> for towing a trailer in the second lane, and I said, officer... The 163 is narrowing down to two lanes. I'm going to have to be in this lane because in order to be on the 163 south, I've got to have to be over here because if I'm pulling a trailer with a boat and everything to get over into these other lanes, I need to be in this lane. Talk to the judge. <laughs> no problem. So I went into the judge because that wasn't right. And I had a $300 ticket. And that wasn't right. I was going 56 miles an hour. I was keeping the speed limit. I was doing everything right. I wasn't a danger to anybody else. He just didn't like the fact that I was in the wrong lane. The judge looked at me, and I laid out all my beautiful list of reasons, all the reasons why. And I said, and you know, judge, driving on the 163 South, he said, let me just stop you there for a minute, sir. My experiences on that freeway have no bearing to this case. Please do not refer to my experiences to validate your opinion. Oh, well, that's not going to work. And that ain't right, judge. You know better. That's what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> At, exactly. Whatever. <laughs> I got to the end of my little presentation, and he looked in his books for just a moment and said, I need to look here in the, law, in, the, in the law to see if you have a certain amount of time to get over into a lane when a freeway's coming to two lanes when you already have three other lanes over here on the other side of you. 
And he said, I'm sorry, sir, but the law doesn't support your position. The only thing I can do for you is I can give you a reduction on your fine because it doesn't seem to me that you were totally in the wrong. But the officer was correct. You were in the wrong lane. And so I'm going to give you a reduction in your, in your ticket. Well, yeah, it was still a $100 ticket, $150 ticket. But he did give me a reduction because he saw that I was trying, at least attempting, to do the right thing. I was still in the wrong because I was in the wrong lane. And you face decisions like that every day. You, you decide every, maybe it's not the right lane or the wrong lane that you're towing your trailer in, but it, maybe it's something else. And sometimes the decisions are that you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not. And so what is the standard? How do you validate doing the right thing and making the right choices? The greatest story in the Old Testament of a man who always tried to do the right thing is the story of Joseph. And all through his life, he tried to do the right thing, even when his brothers threw him in the pit, and even when he was in Potiphar's house, and even when he was in the king's court, even when it was bringing his brothers back to Egypt, and even when it was at the end of his life when his dad died and his brothers thought they were going to get killed by him, and he said, no, listen, what you meant for ill, God used for good. So in the New Testament, there's also a man named Joseph that I want to highlight this morning, because he had a huge potential disgrace to the truth of who he knew he was, to his own personal honor, as I talked about last week, and then a choice to do what's right that was faced him by his fiance getting pregnant without his knowledge or understanding or involvement. Now, how would you like your fiance to get impregnant without your knowledge, understanding, or involvement? That, that doesn't work. It's not supposed to be. Now imagine yourself in a patriarchal culture like the one Joseph was in where a woman who committed adultery, you could take her outside the city and stone her until she died. And he would have been well within his rights to ask for that from the family. He, he had been disgraced. He had been humiliated in the eyes of everybody around him who would find that out and know that to be true. And here's the thing. Even before the angel of the Lord came to speak to him, the Bible tells us that he had already decided what he was going to do. He had already decided he was going to put Mary away privately. He wasn't going to embarrass her. He wasn't going to make a big scene. He wasn't going to ask her family to take her outside and stone her. He wasn't going to do any of that. He was just going to put her away privately. Because the truth was, he didn't know what had happened. The truth was, he was going to honor her in spite of her, what he perceived at that point to maybe be an indiscretion or an infidelity. But yet the angel of the Lord came to Joseph after that and said, listen, Joe, here's the deal. <laughs> your betrothed, your fiance, is pure before God. She is so pure before God that God has chosen her above all women to carry the very seed of heaven to change and transform the world. And so after that, his whole attitude changed, of course, and he was one from, oh, man, what a bummer, to, oh, man, now i got to raise Jesus. <laughs> because Joseph was a good man, too. And he was one who was called to do the right things as well. And he had brought righteousness and justice and honor and truth to that situation 
because of how he had thought before the angel even came and talked to him. I have to confess to you that my opinion of that and my response to that would have been significantly different. I probably would have been very angry, very upset, wanted to have whatever justice possible done to her. I know that I would have wanted her to be killed, but really think about the embarrassment and shame that that would have caused. And so there's a couple things I want us to think about. Sometimes doing the right thing requires us to think humbly. Thinking humbly does not come natural to us. Well, I'll say to me. Because I told you all through this sermon series, I'm preaching at me. This is good stuff for me. I've learned so much from this verse. Thinking humbly doesn't come easily to me. It's not my first default setting. And the scripture says it this way. When pride comes... Then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And when you think about what's right and what's just, take pride out of the equation. Take your own ego out of the equation and say, God, help me to find wisdom in this situation. What's the wise course of action? How do I work my way through this? How do I think about who I am in this situation? How do I bring justice and righteousness to this situation as I think about what my response should be? When you're faced with a decision that's a critical decision, instead of counting to 10 or counting backwards from 100, read this verse 10 times and say it out loud twice. (laughs) It'll change how you think. Now, some say, I don't have time. I was changing lanes. I didn't have time to quote the whole verse before I changed lanes. Got out of the way that idiot that just about ran me over. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the big decisions of life, How you think and how you process things is extremely important. And there's a difference between how a person who believes in God and wants to be what God wants them to be lives and thinks and a person who's not serving God and not living for God. Because in Psalms, it says the wicked person thinks like this. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, that being God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And so a righteous person, a person who's trying to do what's right, thinks about what God wants them to do in that situation and what justice from God would look like. Because 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, there's a great little list there. The lust of the flesh, what's that talking about? It's talking about those things that are not right that we desire. Those things that we know aren't right for us, and we do them anyway. We could just stop right there, and I could preach for about another 45 minutes, just right there. But what are the things that you have desired this week that you've said no to? Don't don't tell me out loud, please. Because I can guarantee you that almost every, every wickedness and every desire, everything that can, that can be tempted to a man or a woman has come to a congregation of this size in the last week. Then it's the lust of the eyes. Those things that we look at and we desire in a wrong way. And then there's the pride of life. 
Well, check me out. Look at me. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. Look who I am. You ain't much. (laughs) You're just a little speck. You're nothing. But yet, as you live for God, you put others before yourself, and more importantly, you put God before yourself. You say, God, I, I, I desire that, but you've told me it's not good for me, so I'm not going to do it. It's just that simple. And yet we struggle with it, and generation after generation struggles with it over and over and over and over again. Here we are in 2017. Have we finally got to the place where we've been able to conquer the stupidity in our lives? Nope. Right back at it. Here we are, new crop, new generation. God help us to do the right things. Learning how to think about the right thing to do is a process of understanding how your decisions affect everyone in the situation. Pardon me, <coughs> situation. Proverbs 18:1 says, "An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends." And against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Man, have you ever been around people that just like to fight? They just make up reasons to have drama. I don't get it. But there are some people who enjoy fighting. They enjoy the drama. They actually will figure out ways to create drama, even if there isn't any, because they're bored. And so they just quarrel. They just fight. They make up things to be mad about. They make up people to be mad at. They just quarrel all the time. You're not a friendly person if you do that. It's right here. Be friendly. Do the right thing. Think about what's right. Think about what's just. Think about how other people are affected in the situation as you process that understanding you mature and grow deeper and deeper and deeper into the wisdom of God, you become more and more friendly. (laughs) You become a nicer person. You become a person that's nice to be around. I had somebody tell me this week, I just want to go see that person because I need them, I need to be around them. They're nice. I like being around them. When I go away from them, I feel better. Pray to God that person is you. And they're talking about you. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, James says, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And my final thought is this. Many times the right thing to do is not the easy thing to do. (laughs) I want to say most of the time. (laughs) I said many times, but I want to say most of the time. Because as I live my life, I am in a constant struggle between what I want to do and what other people around me want to do. And what I desire and what other people around me desire. And what I see as success and what other people around me see as success. 
We have a deeply divided country politically. And even to say the word politics in the church makes me want to move from behind the pulpit. So I'm going to. What you're hearing now isn't from God. What you're hearing is from Matt Palm. And I want to talk to you about how we talk to each other politically for just a moment. I want to talk to you about how we generate goodwill with our brothers and sisters. I want to talk to you for a moment about how we think about what's right in a political situation. Daryl Ice's office is right across the street here. And for the last couple Tuesdays, there's been people who've been standing out here with signs. And they've been protesting. They have been very civil. They've been very polite. They haven't, you know, they're, they're mainly people over 60. They're, they're mature adults. And they're just holding up their signs and saying their little speeches. The problem was, last week, they were parking right in front of the church. And I have people getting out, and they're getting their canes, and they're going down to the Daryl Ice's office. It was dangerous. There's people going by at 45, 50 miles an hour on Thibodeau Road. So I got a call this week. And the head of the guy who's organizing the demonstration says, uh, Pastor, we're in a very difficult situation. They'll only give us 10 parking spaces here at Daryl Ice's office. We've parked all the way up and down the street. We've parked all the way up Edna Way. And we have older people that are struggling with uh, getting in and out of their cars and, and they're parking right here in front of the church and it's a very dangerous situation. And we're wondering if it would be possible if we could use your parking lot just for two hours from 11 to 1 on Tuesday so that we can keep people safe. What's the right thing to do? <laughs> Many of the signs that I heard that I saw held up were positions that might be different from mine politically. Might, might not even agree with what they would have to say on their signs. So I thought about it, I prayed about it, and I called him back and I said, well, here's my stipulations. I want to keep people safe. But the church is not a place to demonstrate. So here are my two conditions. That you do not tell anybody that Hope Church endorses your positions. And two, that you don't demonstrate on church property. But if you will be safe and orderly, I will be out there to help you and make sure that everybody stays safe because I believe that we are at our best when there's a free exchange of ideas in our country. Now, I don't agree with everything they're going to say. There's probably nobody in this room that agrees 100% with each other on everything. But the right thing to do is to say, we love God and we want to show God's love and we want to keep our community safe. Now, you're going to disagree with me, some of you. And you're going to say, Pastor Matt, how in the world could you let people that you don't agree with use your parking lot to walk down there and do that? And I'll say, because I'm not of this world. And I'm not of the kingdom of this world. I'm about bringing people together and loving people and encouraging people and helping people to learn how to do the right thing. And you know what that guy said after he got off the phone? Because he knows who I am. He knows I don't agree with all his positions. He said, you have made my day. I expected you to say no. Now, I don't know if it's the right thing to do yet. I have no idea. We'll see on Tuesday whether I made the right choice or not. <laughs> 
would you pray for me that I did the right thing? <laughs> we have a president. We should pray for him. We have people that are serving that president. We should pray for them. We have people of contrary opinions. We should pray for them. And we should walk in the wisdom of God's righteousness. And that I have said from behind this pulpit. Let's stand together. Lester's just shaking his head. <laughs> if you guys want to come out and... Tuesday from 11 to 1 and give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, you're welcome to do it. But I believe that God has called us to do the right things, even when it's not popular, to take stands for the right things, even when it's not popular. And I just pray that God will help us. We are so privileged on this President's Day to have this great country. What a privilege it is to live in this country. Some of the finest men and women are on the line right now for our freedom, including one who's a helicopter pilot, uh, or a, no, an Osprey pilot uh, in the Marine Corps who's from this church right now, Alex Taylor. We should pray for him today on this President's Day and ask God's blessing over each one of our hearts and lives. Would you bow your head for a moment, nobody looking around. Say, Pastor Matt, there's been some areas in my life as you've been speaking that God is speaking to me about and doing the right things. Would you, pr would you pray with me? I will pray with you. If you'll just raise your hand, I'll be praying with you this week that God will help you to do the right things. Thank you, I see your hands. Thank you, I see your hands. Thank you, I see your hand over there. Thank you, I see your hand back there. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to be in your house today, to hear from your word, to feel the love of your people. And Lord, I, I know that... Uh, our country is deeply divided. But Lord, we are called to the kingdom of God to celebrate that today, and so we do. And Lord, as, as we're here today and as we're thinking about what it means to serve you and to serve each other, I pray you'd be with those who raise their hands, Lord, to you this morning. They want to do the right thing. They have a desire in their heart to do the right thing. Give them wisdom, Lord. Give them strength beyond themselves. Lord, I pray that you would break the power of our desires and our addictions and we would humble ourselves before you and do the things that you've called us to do. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for the opportunity that we have to live for you today, to be a light to the world around us, to be salt to the world around us. And Lord, I just pray your blessing over our country, over our community, over our church, and over our families. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Shake hands with at least five people. Have a wonderful week.